This podcast is brought to you by Northern Trust Wealth Management. What is the why that drives today's most successful business leaders? Tune in each month to the Road to Why podcast by the Northern Trust Institute, where host Eric Shapea dives deeper with entrepreneurs on their life's work, legacy, and the greater meaning of it all. Find the Road to Why where you listen to your favorite podcasts. From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Potomac Watch. The 2024 presidential election, believe it or not, the campaign is already underway, even if not everybody is announced as a candidate. And Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump gave weekend speeches that contrast their different approaches for winning the Republican nomination. That is, if Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, decides to get in, he hasn't announced yet, although he has recently published a book and is going on something of a book tour that sounds almost like a soft campaign launch, or as somebody said to me, maybe not so soft <laughs> launch. And of course, Donald Trump never does anything soft, and he's already geared up. We want to talk a little bit today about the uh, speeches, what they tell us about the campaign so far. Welcome, I'm Paul Gigo editor of the Wall Street Journal Opinion Pages, and I'm here with my colleagues, uh, Bill McGurn and Kyle Peterson. Welcome to you both. Ron DeSantis, Florida governor out and about across the country, met with donors from the Club for Growth in Florida late last week, then headed out to the Reagan Library, a popular destination for Republican presidential hopefuls. And he gave a weekend speech, about 54 minutes, making his case for his Florida record on everything from COVID, school choice, crime, and the economy. Let's listen. When the world went mad, when common sense suddenly became an uncommon virtue, Florida stood as a refuge of sanity, a citadel of freedom for people throughout the United States and indeed throughout the world. We refused to let our state descend into some type of Faucian dystopia where people's rights were curtailed and their livelihoods were destroyed. We made sure people had a right to work and we got people back to work and businesses back open. We made sure that every school in the state of Florida in that 2020 school year was open because people needed to be in school. And I can tell you we had families move from the Pacific Coast just for the fact that we had schools open in Florida when you didn't have them in many other other states. We understood that The elite, the medical elite, whatever their intentions were originally, I don't know, but this devolved into something that became very political. Well, that sure sounds like the basis for a campaign theme there. Florida is freedom when common sense became an uncommon virtue, not a bad phrase, and Faustian dystopia. Bill? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to mention that, Paul. As a recovering speechwriter, um, <laughs> sounds like Fauci and bargain, but that's pretty good. Fauci and dystopia. If I was a speechwriter, I'd try to take credit for that. I think, like you said, DeSantis hasn't announced, but he's clearly in the game. And I think he did well. Basically, he's gearing up the model to be Florida versus California. It's in the subtitle of his book, Florida. And he's holding the model. We didn't close schools. We kept businesses open. We did all these good things. The irony is Florida has also become kind of a model to be a wedge against former President Trump. You know, he points out the closures that Trump was behind. And of course, he won his second election. So Florida serves him in two ways, both as 
a campaign theme against the Democrats. Look at our low taxes. We don't have critical race theory in the schools, that kind of nonsense we were saying on the pandemic. And it's a powerful message against Democrats who have basically the California model. But it also holds a way to go after President Trump on substance by pitting his record against presidents. I very much agree with that, Bill. DeSantis did mention Trump by name, but I think he is laying the groundwork for contrasting his approach to COVID versus uh, Trump's approach to COVID in particular. And there was a good section in there where he, he said, look, public health officials have their concerns, but a statesman has a bigger concern. A governor has to balance many things beyond public health, including the economy, basic rights, fundamental rights, and uh, education, schools. And a lot of our public health Officials, elites, did not do that during the days of the pandemic. And I think that DeSantis has a pretty good campaign theme there. Now, the other thing I would elaborate on Bill's point, Kyle, is that the Florida model also works as a case against Washington dysfunction. You know, if you have uh, Republicans and Biden White House fighting all the time, he can say, look, I can help clean that mess up. And backing up his argument, he has lots of good numbers and lots of good data. We heard him cite some of them in his recent State of the State speech. And he was back at it again at the Reagan Library talking about Florida as number one in net in migration, people moving from other states. Number one, he said in new business formations, or maybe it was beating those states in new business formation. Number one, in parental involvement in education, educational choice. The other thing that on educational choice that jumped out at me in his speech is he said that in Miami-Dade County, the most populous county in Florida, 70% of students attend a school other than their local neighborhood school, what it would be going through the traditional districting process. I think that's a pretty stunning number. The other thing to the point about drawing some contrasts that I thought was notable, and he didn't mention President Trump's name, but I think this is going to be a big theme for Ron DeSantis if he runs for president, is he says he knows how to win. My administration has not leaked like a sieve. You don't see drama or palace (laughs) intrigue coming out of my administration. We have surgical precision execution. Because of that, we beat the left day after day after day. And I think that is a theme that you're going to be hearing a lot more from Ron DeSantis is I can get you to the place that you want to go, but I can actually do it as opposed to these other guys. Interesting. The Florida legislative session also getting underway here, going to be on tap for the next couple of months. The big agenda uh, things on like education, expanding school choice, expanding limits on teaching about gender changes and sexuality from now it's. K through three, once extend that bill in the legislature, K through eight. There may be a further bill on abortion. Right now, the state abortion is legal up to 15 weeks. There may be an attempt in the legislature to put that down to maybe eight weeks or so, something like a heartbeat bill. When the fetus's heartbeat starts, we'll see if DeSantis gets behind that. There's going to be a whole list of things bill that are lined up here. And the majorities are so big in Tallahassee, the Republican majorities, that pretty much if the governor is behind it, it would seem that it's going to pass. And of course, that's something that he will point to as well and say, see, I have delivered. Yeah. And some of it is his own work, supporting other people that can help him get his agenda through. It's one of the differences with Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. In some ways, I think Glenn Youngkin has a more easygoing personality. 
you know, he's very attractive that way, campaigned on the school issue and so forth. But he has a Senate in Virginia controlled by Democrats. And thus far, they've really thwarted big education change. And Virginia really needs it. It's behind in a lot of things like charter laws. And so you're right, DeSantis is going to point to that. I think the two things, vis-a-vis Trump, we're going to see a lot more DeSantis doing what he's doing, and it's deliberate. He doesn't mention Trump by name, but everything implicitly is saying, look at my record, how it compares to him. So there's one thing on Trump. And then the other thing this weekend, he was at the Reagan library. Obviously, everyone 40 years later after Reagan made his first run, first successful run for president, people still want to get the Reagan mantle. And one thing that struck me is he said he compared to the 70s and said, people think the times are so bad, nothing we can do. And Reagan was saying our best days are ahead. And he's trying to say that now. And I think that's a very appealing message. You know, it's not enough to go to war against all your political enemies. You have to have a positive vision. And I think that is a positive vision. That's Reagan-esque to say, we don't deny that there are problems, but we have the wherewithal. We can fix them. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what he does need. You make a good point about Glenn Youngkin. Youngkin, I think, does have a more appealing personality. He's a sunnier figure. DeSantis gives the impression of being a fighter, not a lover. That has a certain political virtue, but it's not a warm persona. Youngkin has, I think, more warmth, but Youngkin, he is set on trying to, there's an election in November in Virginia. They have off-year elections for the state Senate and the state House of Delegates. And Yunkin wants to turn that majority, needs two seats in the Senate. He's now approaching upper 50s in popularity in the state. And the problem is, if he's thinking about running for president, does he have to get in earlier than November? And then if that happens, does that complicate his ability to turn the uh, state Senate his way? And if he turns the state Senate in November, would that be an important talking point for him as he, if he did decide then later to run for president? So that's one of the Yunkin dilemmas. I think when it comes to DeSantis, the weakness of his speech that I detect is there's not a lot of humor there. There's not a lot of self-deprecation. He told an old joke a well-worn joke early on, but he lacks that twinkle that Reagan had, and I think some of the best politicians have. Now, that may not be what voters are looking for this time, Kyle, but I do think a little more warmth and optimism would go a long way for him. I agree with that. I mean, I do think there was more optimism in this Reagan library speech than often voters hear from Ron DeSantis. And granted, in a half an hour or a 45-minute speech, I don't know exactly how long it was, You have the time to spin out some of that stuff. He was talking about, you know, the founders. And I think what a lot of people nationally, at least, hear from Ron DeSantis is the clips of him tangling with journalists in these heated news conferences. And so, I mean, it was a a slightly different tone, I think. But I agree in general with your comment. And Ron DeSantis, I think part of that is just he's a prickly personality. That's at least what I gathered just from watching him. But I think it could benefit if he's really thinking about running in 2024 to think about the persona that he's projecting to people. I mean, they always say an important thing in national politics is voters thinking about who they want to go have a beer with or some famous poll results. I forget if this was 2012, the the responses of people who thought that the candidate 
cares about people like me. And so maybe this is the beginning of a little bit of turn from Ron DeSantis as he's going national and going on this book tour to try to project some of that, that voters outside of Florida are not hearing from him day to day. Thank you, Kyle. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll uh, take a look at Donald Trump's CPAC speech. And Donald Trump clearly has Ron DeSantis on the brain when we come back. This podcast is brought to you by Northern Trust Wealth Management. There's more to being a successful entrepreneur than just good business practices. What is it about an entrepreneur's childhood that helped fuel their entrepreneurial spirit? What are entrepreneurs doing to cultivate this spirit in their own children and build a legacy beyond their business? Tune in each month to the Road to Why podcast by the Northern Trust Institute, where host Eric Shapea dives deeper with leading entrepreneurs on these topics and more. Find the Road to Why where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget, you can reach the latest episode of Potomac Watch anytime. Just ask your smart speaker. Play the Opinion Potomac Watch podcast. That is, Play the Opinion Potomac Watch podcast. From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Potomac Watch. Welcome back. I'm Paul Gigo, and I'm here with my colleagues, Kyle Peterson and Bill McGurn. And Donald Trump spoke to the Conservative Political Action Committee event on Saturday evening. For him, he gave something of a disciplined speech with a prompter and a few side riffs, and it was focused on Biden and the future more than on the grievances about the 2020 election, which, of course, have preoccupied him for more than two years now. So that was a different angle on the speech. But Donald Trump clearly has Ron DeSantis on his mind. Let's listen to an excerpt. We're not going back to people that want to destroy our great social security system even some in our own party, I wonder who that might be, <laughs> that want to raise the minimum age of Social Security to 70, 75, or even 80 in some cases, and that are out to cut Medicare to a level that it will no longer be recognizable. And when that was their original thought, that's what they always come back to. Remember that. You have to remember that. You heard it here first. With Donald Trump, you always heard it there first. This is a not-so-subtle jibe at Ron DeSantis, who, when he was a House member, voted a couple of times for Paul Ryan's budgets. That did indeed pass the House. Those budgets had Medicare reform, had modest Social Security reform. And Trump thinks this is a vulnerability for DeSantis and is going to go after him for that. Uh, just a couple of factual points, Bill. I mean, it's pure demagoguery. There's nobody I know is raising a retirement age to 80 or, uh, or even 75. It's now, uh, of course, uh, 67. When Social Security was founded, the average life expectancy was 65. So they set a retirement age of 65. <laughs> Now the average life expectancy is far greater than that, and we're still at only 67 for retirement age. So it's hardly outrageous to say we should raise retirement age, especially since Social Security's funds are approaching insolvency. As for Medicare cuts, he sounds like Joe Biden demagoguing any change to Medicare. But what do you make of this looming attack from Trump on DeSantis on those two programs and how they'll play? Well, Paul, first, I always have a sort of affection for CPAC because 30 years ago, I met my wife there. So unlike Humphrey Bogart, I always tell her, we'll always have CPAC. It doesn't go over. <laughs> doesn't go You're over. You're such a romantic, Bill. <laughs> yes. 
if you think DeSantis needs personality, uh, maybe I do too. But that's, that said, I think the there's two points about uh, President Trump. I think one, it shows he hasn't found an attack that sticks to DeSantis. He's always attacking DeSantis, coming up with nicknames that haven't really stuck. He's floundering a bit. And DeSantis has handled that very well, not really mentioning him, but putting his digs in, pointing out the differences. And I think Trump is looking for an opening, something to exploit. And as you say, I think it's an odd Republican banner to say we're not going to touch Social Security or Medicare and let it just go belly up as it's heading right now. So I don't think that will work too much. But it does point to a bigger problem, I think, in this race, if you look at it as DeSantis and Trump. Trump has a clear advantage. One, he has a lot of support in the party. But bigger, the implicit threat of Trump is that if he loses the nomination, he'll go off and start a third party. Or he won't go off, but he'll attack the GOP nominee. And that could siphon off just enough votes to deny DeSantis a victory. So Ron DeSantis always has a balancing act. He has to attack Trump, but not in a way that will really alienate his supporters, because the implicit threat is if Donald Trump is a nominee, he's going to blow it all up. So I think that's a hard part. But I think it does point to he's having a hard time coming up with a line of attack that's effective. DeSantis, you know, has a lot going for him, including that he won a second term for election. And he's reminded the president of that a few times. We're going to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I think the line that Trump is a loser, having lost in 2020 and indeed uh, Republicans having performed poorly in every election since 2016, really, it's going to be a message that uh, DeSantis, and not just DeSantis, but the other Republicans will use against Trump. The other thing that's striking, Kyle, about the Trump speech is that he is taking, if you can believe it, he's escalating the attack on others in his own party. It's clearly, I mean, he attacked the, he said, we're going to clean out, get rid of the Bushies, the, the globalists, the neocons, the warmongers, and other folks in the party. That's obviously, he's basically trying to cast out a significant portion of the party and obviously have to draw distinctions in a primary race. But if you're a former president who lost re-election because a substantial number of Republicans who voted for other Republicans for Senate and the House couldn't vote for you, which is what happened in Georgia and Arizona and uh, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Then casting them out into outer darkness may not be a winning platform come November 2024. Right. It's the opposite of what we were talking about earlier, a sunny morning in America message that aims to be a big tent and to bring in voters who are not traditionally Republican voters the way that they still talk about Reagan Democrats as influencing politics of that decade. That is what Glenn Youngkin could maybe pull off. That is maybe what Ron DeSantis could pull off. And with Trump, it seems like we're back to American carnage. He was telling the CPAC audience, I am your retribution. And so it strikes me as a kind of classic Trump Republican grievance politics. And then layered on top of that is his classic over-promising of all sorts of stuff that some of it is hard to even understand what he means by it. He's talking about how he can end the Ukraine war in one day. 
he is talking about adding universal baseline tariffs onto most products. I think the debate over the tariffs that President Trump put in place while in office has been pretty far settled to the argument that it didn't really work. It didn't accomplish what he intended. It didn't shift China's trajectory very much. And it cost Americans a lot, including farmers who then were bailed out on the back end. And then he's talking about stuff like building new 10 freedom cities on federal land to reignite the American imagination, reopen the frontier. I mean, it seems to me that this is the the classic Trumpian stew of anger and resentment and big promises that look like they would be difficult for him to get enacted the way that we're still waiting on the border wall and waiting on Mexico to pay for it. And yet, as listeners will let me know after this podcast, Donald Trump still leads in the primary national polling. If anything, in the last couple of weeks since the East Palestine train derailment where he showed up, Joe Biden didn't. He's uh, picked up a little bit in the in the national polling. Now, my own view is that polls at this stage of the race are partly definitive. There's just a snapshot now, uh, partly name recognition, partly folks based on uh, what they know of Trump from his presidency. But that can change enormously once people see how candidates perform on the stump. As you know, uh, Bill, there was a very famous Democratic leader in the polls by the name of Hillary Clinton in 2008. Everybody thought was a shoo-in and she didn't get the nomination. So a lot can change, but Trump does have a lot of residual support within the party. And I think it's a mistake for anybody to say that somehow he could not get the nomination. Yeah, I think that's a mistake, though I don't think it's as strong as it may look. I mean, the campaign hasn't really begun. Ron DeSantis hasn't announced. So it's amazing how far DeSantis has come to me without actually running. You know, now he's just this weekend given a couple of speeches, but we haven't got that much from him. It's going to pick up when they have to choose. It'll be interesting. I personally think the real threat to the Republican Party of victory in 2024 is not Donald Trump winning the nomination, but losing the nomination and then doing what he can to sabotage whoever the nominee is, especially if it's Ron DeSantis. So that's what I worry. I think DeSantis has two challenges to win the nomination and to do it in a way that doesn't make Donald Trump or his supporters walk away from him. Because as you say, they're a significant chunk of the party. And all the while, what as Donald Trump will unleash hell, to borrow a phrase from the movie Gladiator, on Ron DeSantis in order to try to destroy him so he can get the nomination. I think your scenario, Bill, lays out, uh, I think, what is a net plus for the Democrats, no matter who they nominate in 2024. Of course, there's a long way to go. A lot of time left to talk about both of those candidates and many others as the campaign year moves ahead. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Bill. Thank you all for listening. We're here every day on Potomac Watch, and we hope you're with us too. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise.